Welcome to PCTY Talks, a new podcast from the human capital management software provider, Paylocity. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson, and as an HR program manager at Paylocity, I will be navigating our journey together as we explore bite-sized topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, diversity and inclusion, and product knowledge. If you have an idea for a future podcast topic, please drop me a note at pctytalks at paylocity.com. On today's episode, we'll be discussing details about the coronavirus outbreak, also known as COVID-19, and what information is important for organizations to consider. I've asked Jill Santorcierre to join me again today. Jill is a benefits manager at Paylocity and has previously sat on an organizational preparedness committee for a large consulting firm and helped organizations with business continuity planning. Jill, thanks again for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Sherry. It's so great to be back with you. Although it's not a super fun and exciting topic, I think it's definitely timely and relevant, as I know we and many of our colleagues uh, and their employees are being exposed to you know, information about coronavirus, emails, articles, tweets, posts, even, you know, water cooler conversations. Um, And so it's definitely something that I think is relevant, and I'm glad we're discussing it today. Yeah, you would definitely have to be living under a rock (laughs) if you haven't seen the news coverage on the outbreak of coronavirus, as well as all the epic memes associated with Corona beer. Uh, But in all seriousness, it's an important topic, and I want to get straight to the facts uh, on what we know today in plain terms. A lot of the information we're sharing comes straight from the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, or WHO, the World Health Organization, and we'll be providing a ton of links in the show notes for you to access in more detail. A lot of what I'm going to share you probably have already heard, but I think it's really important we start by kind of outlaying the facts Mm -hmm. so that you have a good base knowledge for where we're going to go. Yeah, good groundwork. So let's spend a few minutes talking about what coronavirus is and what preventative measures you can take to protect yourself from contracting it. Then we'll dive into the organization side of the conversation. Coronaviruses, in general, are a large family of viruses. Some cause illness in people and others only affect animals. Rarely, animal coronaviruses have emerged to infect people and can spread between people. This is suspected to have occurred for the virus that causes what we're experiencing now and is clinically called COVID-19. If you remember hearing in the past about MERS and SARS, these are two other examples of coronaviruses that originated from animals and then spread to people. It's interesting that you say that. I think everyone kind of remembers MERS and SARS. I mean, I certainly do. But I think there's more information about coronavirus this time around. And I don't know if that's because we're more connected. Um, But definitely important facts. And I would have never known that about the other two had it not been for coronavirus. Yeah. And if you're following kind of where this all started, so COVID-19 was first detected in Wuhan City in the Hubei province of China. The first infections were actually linked to a live animal market, but the virus is now spreading from person to person. Someone who um, is currently sick with COVID-19 can spread the illness to others. So kind of knowing where it started and if you're traveling kind of has a big effect on how you're going to prevent others. Disease can spread from person to person through small droplets from the nose or mouth of an infected person when they cough or exhale. The droplets then land on objects and you can get infected by touching those droplets or if you're even standing close to somebody and they exhale and you breathe in those droplets and then 
either inhale them or you touch a surface and then touch your mouth or your eyes. COVID-19 is different than the flu, but everything that we're going to highlight is all about prevention and protection, and it can be applied during flu season as well. And I think it's important what you just said. I mean, some diseases travel, right, it's airborne or there are certain ways. And to know, like what you just mentioned about how it's transmitted, I think that's why we're seeing such a rapid spread is because it is so easily transmitted. So some a lot of important facts to know about maybe you're not sick, um, but preventing that spread is super important. Yeah, and there's a lot of basic ways you can protect yourself from contracting COVID-19. Wash your hands, wash them often, wash them for at least 20 seconds. After you go to the bathroom, before you eat, after you blow your nose or cough or sneeze, um, if soap and water are not readily available to you, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. So I have to say, I, I know that you're in the same boat, but how many memes have we seen recently about just wash your hands, right? It was funny. I was driving in today, and things are changing so rapidly. I was listening to a radio show, and they said, you know, wash your hands. And something that can kind of get you through those 20 seconds, because how do you know how long 20 seconds is? It's longer than you think, right, yeah. when you're washing your hands. So I always tell my kids, sing the happy birthday song in your head. They usually sing it out loud. But if you sing it in your head, even though it seems funny, that's 20 seconds. Wash your hands. Make it a little bit fun. Help prevent the spread. I love it. Any little tricks that we can provide that will help people to remember to do mm -hmm. it, I think is really important. You can also maintain at least a three feet distance between yourself and anyone who is coughing or sneezing. Obviously avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. I am um, guilty of this all the time. I'm kind of a thinker and I put my hand to my face a lot. So it's so hard. It's I, something I'm just thinking about right? a lot. We just do it. I mean, even if you think about it's unconscious, right? right? You just do it. And if you actually stop and think about how much you're touching your face, specifically eyes or nose or even mouth, it's a lot during the day. So even just being aware of that, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, definitely stay home if you feel unwell. If you have a fever, a cough, have difficulty breathing, seek medical attention. And it's recommended you actually call in advance because of the uptick of not only COVID-19, but we're also in flu season. So we want to make sure that, you know, as you're going in, that the medical facility is prepared for you. And then clean or disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces. Um, for me, a big one is I have to remember to disinfect my phone. How many of us do that on a regular basis, right. you know? Phone, keyboard, all those things that you kind of take for granted, right? Yeah, obviously. If you are not in an area where COVID-19 is currently spreading, or you have not traveled from one of those areas or have not been in close contact with someone who has and is feeling unwell, your chances of actually getting it are currently low. However, it's understandable that you and your employees might be feeling stressed or anxious about the situation. We're still learning a lot about COVID-19 and how it affects people, but we do know that older persons and persons with pre-existing medical conditions, such as high blood pressure, heart disease, or diabetes, appear to develop serious illness more often than others. Just like any communicable disease, such as the flu, and to your point, we're still in flu season, it's important for businesses to have a plan in place to help prevent the spread uh, and know what to do if a large or critical portion of your organization is affected. Additionally, I think it's critical to know what types of support you can provide your employees that will make an impact. 
For example, you might be seeing or hearing about people, you know, buying and wearing those masks to protect themselves from COVID-19. But what we've learned specifically from CDC is that the general use of masks is not effective since coronavirus is transmitted through droplets and not through the air. It's interesting. Those masks actually, I will say that what they are effective is if you are sick, yes. they prevent you from it. Um, spreading those droplets. But if you are not sick, they don't prevent from droplets coming in. Exactly. And I saw um, a visual on that today. So it's not a protective measure, but if you are having symptoms, even flu symptoms or cold symptoms, um, wearing that can help the spread of whatever it is, certainly coronavirus. So it's really not a preventative measure, but if you do have symptoms, then it's fine to get one of those masks and wear it. So we want to spend the rest of our discussion today really um, focusing on general recommendations for how you can prepare for epidemics. And again, we'll be providing uh, a number of links in our show notes for you to review. The first place I think anybody really needs to start is developing a business continuity plan. So yes. if you're listing and you don't know what a business continuity plan, it's basically a logistic plan that details how your organization is going to recover if your business has been interrupted in a critical way. Doesn't matter what size your organization is, right? You can be a multi-million dollar, huge organization with mm -hmm. a multi-plan, multi-page business continuity plan, or you could be a small company of 25 people. But if all 25 of you have to go out of the office, you know, what is your plan in place? So really it's about just take the time to meet and write something down so you have a plan in place to keep your business running. I think that's a great point. It doesn't really matter the size or the effect because everyone's effect is different and everyone has different employees. Maybe they're in one location. Maybe they're spread out. I think the, the main point or takeaway is that you should be talking about this and you should have a plan. In a previous role, I had the opportunity to work on a team that was tasked with creating and executing business continuity planning. And like you said, basically, you're just preparing for the possibility that a large portion of your workforce will be unable to work, whether it's because of something like a coronavirus or a wildfire or hurricane or some sort of disaster. Um, it's just really putting that plan into place and being able to react. So some of the questions that the plan should answer are, for example, how many absences can we handle before business operations are interrupted? Or how do we keep operations running during an interruption? Uh, what changes can we make to keep the business operating effectively? So it's really important to think about what functions in your company are mission critical and what areas uh, you can handle the impact. I really like the comment about mission critical. I think if we're honest about our organizations, we can figure out what is like the bare minimum we need to continue to function. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what the heart of what you need to get at with your plan is how do we stay, how do we keep the doors open? Mm -hmm. Like what is the way we do that? Another thing I think that I would add is for employers operating a unionized work environment, you need to consider if there are additional concerns regarding epidemic planning. Unionized employers should closely review their collective bargaining agreements to determine whether special provisions have been made in the event of a disruption of business hours. That's a great point. I think it's just really important to have like that broad stroke of looking at, you know, all the different pieces that might affect your organization, mm -hmm. how you develop the plan. So now that you have a plan in place, we want you to think next about what preventative measures you should and can implement in your organization. 
many of the most commonly suggested preventative measures are inexpensive and easy to obtain. They include providing tissues and hand sanitizers to employees, educating employees on the proper ways of washing hands, like we mentioned, Mm -hmm. what to do if they get flu-like symptoms, and then communicating on these precautions should occur frequently with employees. And you can easily hang posters in bathrooms, eating areas on the proper way to stop the spread of germs. That's a great point. And I think it, it seems basic, but it's at its core, it's super important. Um, let's pause and talk a little bit more about the communication piece that you mentioned. I think that um, it's important that you as an employer are confident that you can quickly reach your employees entire employee base. Yeah. So one of the ways that we communicate with employees here at Paylocity um, includes push notifications in addition to email alerts um, by using our own product called Community. Um, and by using Community, we know that we're able to quickly reach all of our employees. And, you know, 44% right now of our employee base is remote. So we're able to push out timely updates very quickly that we know reach everyone. Um, you know, the CDC has identified several categories you mentioned earlier uh, of individuals who are exceptionally at a higher risk of developing complications from coronavirus. So, you know, thinking about your folks who might be pregnant or over the age of 65 um, or suffering from certain chronic health conditions, you know, you don't want to single them out, um, but providing communications that specifically call out these high risk categories can pinpoint really within that communication yeah. and let people know that they're higher at risk and maybe there's a special plan for those folks. You may also want to consider state laws that would affect timeframes for closure notifications and how that might affect potential obligations for employee compensation. You'll want to be sure that you as the employer as well as your employees are aware of these timeframes so that you can act accordingly if you need to send out communications. I like that you shared about how we use community with push notifications, mm-hmm. you know, some of our listeners might have access to other tools where you have push notifications that you haven't tapped into because you haven't felt the need to yet. Yeah, good point. It's, I think, a good time to potentially explore that as, a, as another avenue. A good communication strategy is definitely one of the ways that you can share with your employees what your plan is to keep them healthy and what actions you are going to take if and when they do get sick. Mm-hmm. Depending upon the severity of the situation, organizations can take various actions. So you could could send symptomatic employees home. You could implement quarantines for employees returning from high-risk areas. You could limit your face-to-face meetings, allow for telework, temporarily shut down operations, uh, limit business travel. Think about internal meetings you may have your employees fly in for or large company gatherings that you might consider postponing to later. Some things that we've started to implement is having individually packed snacks and meals so there isn't communal touching of food. Right. We don't think about it, but, I mean, we, we've thought, like, hey, maybe we don't order pizza. Instead, we get something that's prepackaged. Yeah, we just experienced that this morning, and it was interesting because as we were in line for our individually packed breakfasts, right, we, we heard people specifically saying, oh, this must be in reaction, right? So there was a natural connection to it. And I think there was a feeling of, wow, someone's thought about this. Someone cares. And, you know, it's not here in our backyard yet. It could be, but we're already thinking about it and we're preparing for it. Yeah, we did also put in front of the line a giant bottle of hand sanitizer, which I thought also (laughs) was just, I mean, just a creative way of thinking about some different things. I know that 
in your organization, COVID-19 isn't the ideal catalyst to think about things, but it might be time for your organization to think more progressively about your business and to plan ahead. Specifically, can you prepare to have your workforce, let's say, go remote for a period of time? Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't see the hand sanitizer and went right for the individually packed muffin, (laughs) but (laughs) I'm glad you noticed that. Um, You know, one thing to think about coming from, you know, the benefits perspective um, is, you know, how to handle paid leave benefits. So, you know, sometimes that's a big concern and businesses struggle or could struggle with that. Um, You know, with certain legal exceptions, employers are really free to establish, you know, your own paid leave benefits and administer those according to the best interests of the business. So really before an epidemic strikes, you should review your existing paid leave policies and determine whether modifications, even short-term, should be made. Uh, Maybe some questions to think about or ask yourself when you're reviewing these policies and practices. Um, How would you handle excessive absences related to an employee illness? Or how does your current policy accommodate family illnesses, right? Oh, Someone that's in a your good family. Um, how will you apply your paid leave policy in the event of a school or childcare facility closing? Which I think as of today, that's happening, you know, in an, in other countries, not the United States, but I you know, it's probably something that is going to happen and we really need to think about. Or in the midst of an epidemic, will you still require For example, a doctor's note that you might normally require when someone is on leave. Um, You know, we talked earlier a little bit about calling ahead, I think you mentioned, but the CDC is actually recommending that employees don't require doctor's notes for flu or flu-like symptoms um, because we're already seeing doctor's offices and urgent cares uh, backed up, and they're not going to be able to simply provide a, you know, absence note if someone isn't truly sick, and we don't want to, you know, jam up those locations unnecessarily. And, you know, think about, again, you said this might be the catalyst, right? Is the implementation of a flex leave policy an option? Maybe it's something you've been kicking around and maybe you try to implement something even temporarily. And who knows, if that works out, it might be something that you consider in the future. So I think because of the risk of complications with, you know, the flu virus or other epidemics, um, eligible employees might need to use FMLA leave. Um, I think you and I both listened to another podcast, um, and they had, you know, some experts on, and the answer was, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know that we've even given this a true, yes, it qualifies, no, it doesn't qualify, but I think asking the question is the right start. I think we should prepare, and everyone should prepare for an increase in FMLA leave requests, um, as well as an increase in administration of FMLA. You know, certainly we do that at certain points throughout the year. Flu season, we usually see an uptick. We'll probably see that here in the next few months as well. There might be an opportunity, or if you have other types of leave that people would try to tap into, maybe it's not FMLA, it could be something else. Exactly, right. Or just putting something in place temporarily that maybe you don't have in place now, but it could be part of your business continuity plan where it's in place right now for X amount of months um, and isn't part of one of your formal leave policies. Yep. And also, you know, depending on the impact of an epidemic in a workplace or if employees are operating in a high-risk industry, quarantine um, certainly sounds a little bit scary, but really is another option to curb widespread 
um, you know, whether it's the flu or whether it's coronavirus. And quarantine, you know, essentially is the mandatory isolation of someone, uh, an individual or family member in an effort to contain something dangerous or contain it from spreading to others. Uh, employers can impose quarantine if they believe that employee safety or the business is, is at risk by requiring employees with symptoms or known exposure to stay home for a certain period of time. I think we're reading about folks even kind of self-quarantining themselves, which I think is great. That's a great proactive measure. You don't want to wait and have to be the one that quarantines someone. Um, so really everyone being vigilant and noticing those symptoms and having the ability based on what the workplace or your employer says is available, being able to self-quarantine is something that I think is a little softer. And if available, people will take advantage of it. And you might be in the medical professional as somebody who's listening, and quarantine might mean something a little bit different for you. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband's a medical professional. He's a firefighter paramedic, and he has a very specific quarantine protocol, which would involve him being quarantined actually outside of our home for that 14-day period. So um, I think it's important for you guys to think about that, too. How are you going to provide um, the basics, right? Food, shelter, housing, mm-hmm. you know, during a quarantine period. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, It doesn't have to be scary if you've thought about it and if you've prepared for it, right? Um, I think that, you know, most employers offer an employee assistance program, you know, otherwise known as EAP. And really, we should all be encouraging anyone who feels anxious at all because we know that um, it can be scary, especially with how connected we are nowadays. I mean, you can't turn around without hearing about coronavirus. So anyone who feels anxious um, or has any sort of fear, even if it's a healthy dose of fear, to just reach out and use those programs and speak confidentially with someone just about how you're feeling. Yeah, dealing with illnesses in the workplace can be challenging under normal circumstances, but obviously it's even more during a potential epidemic. Without proper communications, employees become worried about their exposure to the bacteria and viruses, and worries can affect productivity. So kind of going a little bit back to communications, you want to make sure that you're providing relevant information and encouraging your employees to remain calm. Try to keep the following in mind when you're thinking about those employee communications. Inform employees what the company is planning to do to take any reasonable and necessary steps to ensure a safe and healthy work environment. Identify the biological threat, including typical symptoms, so education on what COVID-19 is. Include information on how to protect against the illness. Advise employees of any changes to policies. So some of the things we've talked about is maybe you're going to look at changing a leave policy or requirement of a doctor's note. Mm -hmm. Notify employees of any discontinued travel, right? If you're going to be canceling Mm -hmm. some of those larger meetings. And then, again, reiterate, if you have concerns, please reach out to HR or your EAP that, you know, there are resources available to you. Communications regarding a potential epidemic will help to maintain order in your workplace and reduce employee concerns. But really, the main reason is you as an employer, you care about your employees. You want them to be informed. You want to know that you've provided them the best resources and that they know what to do. You're committed to them holistically. I think that's really important. Um, I know you sent me an article this morning and uh, uh, right before this podcast, but you did send me an article from Harvard Business Review this morning. And I think it was specifically regarding training, but I have to admit live here in front of everyone who's listening that I hadn't had a chance to read it yet. So I was just curious if you could 
uh, maybe uh, talk about that a little bit? I think it had to do maybe specifically with training. Yeah. So the article, which I actually I'll drop in the show notes since you mentioned it, it was basically like eight questions you should be asking yourself. And one of the topics that came up was, what training are you providing employees? So mm-hmm. training can be definitely a big component of keeping your employees informed and prepared. Think about how you can best utilize your LMS if you have one in place to distribute information. And this doesn't have to be like high fidelity, super overproduced, <laughs> right? Think mm-hmm. short videos or even a kitschy video yeah. on how to wash your hands or sneeze into your elbow. I think that you know, training is important for different levels of your organization and different details might be needed to present in different ways. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, But just think about the different modes that you can utilize to keep people informed from a training perspective. Mm. Video right now is is such an important one. So I think that's a good way that you can quickly get something out there. Maybe you have a YouTube channel and you want to create private links. Another idea. I love that. I think you're right. I mean, video is how we digest so much. And maybe a kitschy type fun video um, gets a point across and people listen to it and watch it. And, you know, indirectly you're training on whatever it is. Maybe it's a new flex policy or, like you said, something that the company is taking action on in reaction to this. But a video is a perfect way to get in front of an employee and let them know what's happening. The beauty of it, too, is it's quick. Yes. So because the information is changing so quickly, your LMS could be another great tool for you to use to get information out pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, It goes back to what we were talking about of what is the modality of communication that you're going to use and how do you make sure you're getting everybody informed in your organization? Mm -hmm. An LMS system might be one of those things. Yeah, I love that idea. So, Jill, as we wrap up, any last thoughts from you? I think, um, you know, it's easy to kind of give into fear about coronavirus since, you know, it's everywhere you look, right? Um, I saw a post yesterday from a friend who had gone to Costco and said, you know, there's no toilet paper. There's no paper towels on the shelves. There's like, you know, people are making, you know, runs on grocery store, which I understand people might want to stock up. But I think it's also just important to manage that fear a little bit and, you know, do our part to stay vigilant about, you know, basic hygiene for ourselves, our families, make sure we're taking precautions so that we're not spreading um, either the flu or something like a coronavirus, Um, and to be sure that we rely on trusted sources. You know, there's a lot out there, um, but regularly checking the CDC or the WHO website, those are trusted sources and not listening to what your friend might be posting on Instagram, right? Because they could be posting something that they think is funny, and then you read it and you don't know if it's funny or true. Right? They could just be trolling you. Exactly. Right. How many people are going to react to this? Um, I have a couple of friends like that, so I try to ignore those. Um, but really, if you're an employee, I think it's important to you know anyone to be sure that you're paying attention to whatever communications your employer is sending out. And if you are an HR or business professional who's involved in the preparedness planning, be sure to communicate often to your employees so they know that first and foremost, you care about them. And secondly, so that they are aware of any actions that you may be taking specifically to policies or any changes that they need to be aware of. And also be sure to remind employees that if they're feeling anxious to reach out to, as you mentioned, their HR business partner or call their company EAP line and be sure that they're talking to someone about how they're feeling. Thanks, Joe. We've covered a lot of information But we've really, really just scratched the surface of what you guys should be considering. 
Um, it, again, we can't say it enough. Make sure you stay on top of the CDC. Make sure you stay on top of the WHO website. Uh, again, we'll include those links in the show notes. Another resource that we're going to put out there, though, is we're going to be hosting a live webinar on March 26th where we're going to go into some more details about preparing for disaster, emergencies, epidemics, pandemics, those kinds of things with a little bit more detail and a direct link to some of the tools that we have internally with our with our products. So I will include that registration in the in the show notes. And if you have questions, feel free to submit them. Maybe we can feature them on a future episode. Again, you'd send them to PCTYTalks at Paylocity.com. Thanks for listening.